baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's about time that we're finally checking for fair payment on the light rail. It's Jason. Welcome to Drive Time 408. Uh, You know, safety and security on our public transit has been a major issue post-COVID. There are a number of reasons. Uh, The most obvious reason is that the downtown central business district as a hub of activity has not been what it once was. And so many people, if you're only going to work a couple days a week, maybe you're going to drive in and pay to park a couple days instead of hopping on the bus or hopping on the light rail. But even even the the biggest defenders of the city, the people saying that, well, crime, you know, people are weaponizing crime for political gain. It's not really as bad as people make it sound. Everyone acknowledges that. Low level crime, especially, has been an issue on light rail. And by low level crime, what am I talking about? Open drug use. I mean, it's not good, right? It's not good. But do you want to ride the train if you see somebody shooting up on the train? No, you don't. And transit officials understand this is a problem. There have been calls to wall off our light rail stations. Gates, uh, turnstiles, controlled access. Now, because our light rail is built at street level in most spots, you'd have to figure out some way to, like, actually have a gate on the track. Now, imagine how challenging this would be to actually execute in the winter, especially as temperatures turn cold. You want, like, a garage door-style gate operating Like when the train leaves the gate, I mean, come on. Like to me, it's preposterous. The number one thing you can do to improve safety is by having more law enforcement or community service, ticket checkers, more people with with put them in a uniform, have it say Metro Transit, have a big thing that says fair enforcement. That is the biggest thing you can do to improve safety. I firmly believe that. And the fact that it took this long is a little outrageous, I think. But I'm glad it's here. I'm glad increased enforcement is happening. In fact, it's something we talked about with Bill Lindeke, who is on this show. He wrote a piece for MinPost a couple weeks ago talking about why putting turnstiles at light rail stations is a stupid idea. And so I'm waiting for the day, as someone who rides the train you know, all the time. I'm waiting for the day when they finally start sending people in to check fares again. And they say that it's coming uh, maybe in January, but we'll find out soon. 
So new new uh, Metro Transit Police Chief, and this effort is starting now. Now, I don't even know that you need to be like that aggressive about writing people's citations. I think the mere fact that you have someone out there checking, well, I can't wait to hear how it goes because I feel like if they have enough people out there checking, it is going to almost entirely solve the issue of the freeloaders on the train who are there to do drugs, who are there as a replacement for a homeless shelter, uh, or who are there to cause trouble. I I really believe having someone come around it. And, and I don't think that troublemakers are just going to start, like, buying a ticket. Seems highly no, they'll un- see the uniforms and they just won't get on. And the they train. just won't get on the train. Yeah. Now, is this going to solve drug use? No, like drug, it'll move somewhere else. Fine, fine. We cannot afford to have our trains, which we've spent billions of dollars on this light rail system. We cannot afford to have it become an open air, rolling, drug using and abusing homeless shelter. We can't. We also need to be addressing those other issues, right? And all this stuff is expensive. No one really wants to be paying for it, right? You'd rather have money going to schools or improved roads or all sorts of other stuff. Uh, but there's pain out there. There are people hurting. There are people intentionally who are not hurting, who are just intentionally taking advantage of a vacuum. So you have all of that going on, and and, and we have to deal with those things. But the easiest thing that we can deal with right now is make people pay, show that we care enough about our, our transit system, and we care enough about the paying customers and the people who are not there to cause trouble, uh, to be out there enforcing it, I think it's really a good thing. It's really a good thing. My my hope and concern, my only concern with this is when you have CSOs doing this job instead of licensed officers, Yep. what happens when there's a confrontation? Yep. Not that it's going to happen a lot. Right, but it will. But it wouldn't take a whole lot for that to escalate and become a real problem. So what are the protocols? What kind of you know safety communication is there you know, in terms of, if somebody becomes aggressive, are they told to back off and call? And that's when they call the law enforcement to show up. Right. How does that all work? And, and Metro Transit has said that all of these community service officers uh, are being trained and presumably yeah. before deployed uh, to respond to mental health issues, de-escalation, first aid, naloxone administration, and CPR. And that's you know that's your hope is because that that would be a tough job. I would, th- I would think that would be a very difficult job to recruit people people to. It has you'd, been, right? You'd have to pay it pretty been. darn well to say, here, go stand on this train and ask people if they're paying. And if they're not paying, then you have to get them off the train. It's tough, right? Very tough. Uh, citations for fair evasion have barely been issued. So in 2019, Metro Transit wrote 1,300. In 2020, they wrote 573. In 2021, there were 10. And of the ones that are being issued, how many of those are being? I mean, like very, very minuscule number have actually been paid. 2.6% are paid. So it's 
because people who are not paying, generally speaking, don't. Yeah, they're they either don't have the money to pay the citation, or or there's no consequence to, to there's not. There's no paying. consequence now. This the the uh, penalties do escalate, but these are administrative citations, so they yeah. don't uh, show up on your criminal background report, which is good. Which they is fine. Shouldn't. Yeah, no, they shouldn't. Like, we, we, you know, some of the law and order crowd, like, can calm down about, like, well, you need to throw these people at, like, no. give me a break. Yeah, no. But I do think the mere act of having enforcement out there is going to serve as a very significant deterrent. The evidence in every other transit system in the country, which has been dealing with all these same things we have. And, and we know why we haven't had law enforcement out enforcing this over the last two years. It's because of Derek Chauvin. This is why. So the reason is because the fear that when you have low-level interactions with law enforcement that it could escalate, something could go haywire, and you could have trouble. And so I'm proud of Metro Transit for saying we know that that is a risk, and we're going to try to do it with civilian community service officers, and hopefully that'll make a difference. Hopefully it will. Now, will it? We don't know. We don't know. No, It might I mean, be a total failure, and then we got to figure something else out, right? I mean, the only way, I mean, you're right in the sense that presence is going to be a, a deterrent to start with. To start. Just having them there. I think so. Right? The only way it really fails is if you can't have, you know, keep enough people in that job to be on the train to be a consistent That's right. presence. Because presence isn't enough. It's got to be consistent, right? Otherwise, you know, folks will figure out when the CSOs are there and when they're not. And then they'll just show up when the CSOs aren't there. But if you don't have the staffing levels to be able to have a consistent presence, then the presence doesn't it's really an matter. Issue. It is an issue, right? Like, there's not much we can do to solve the staffing issue right now. You're not going to suddenly, I mean, unless you're going to pay people $90,000 a year to be a community service officer. Maybe that would make a difference. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, you know, in, in there's this a point. Job market, I mean, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about before we take a break. This afternoon, news broke that the medical cannabis director for the state of Minnesota resigned. Star Tribune reporting that uh, Chris uh, Tolkis, who is the director of the state office of medical cannabis. Uh, she's out taking a job at the city of Minneapolis as the director of uh, health operations. Uh, we still haven't hired someone to run the Office of Cannabis Management. Remember when the governor picked this Aaron Dupree, who it turned out that she uh, had a hemp store where she was selling <laughs> illegal products at, allegedly? Uh, Charlene Briner, who is awesome, she's a state government veteran. Uh, she, I first met her when she was working for the Department of Education. She's just an awesome human being. She is leading the Office of Cannabis Management as an interim basis. As there, but what's going on? Like, no one wants to work for the state in the weed business? Like, what's what's happening? Now, the city job is a new job, um, but kind of weird, isn't it? Like, the fact that we can't attract 
a good candidate for the big cannabis job and going to work for the city of Minneapolis is more attractive than now I'm guessing director of health operations is a bigger job than running medical weed, especially as you look into kind of recreational, probably swallowing up some of the, uh, some of the people who are doing medicinal marijuana, but might be an extra zero on that paycheck or anything. No, oh, time to time to uh, time to send in those resumes. I guess. Please, if you are applying for one of the, these jobs, though, do not have a track record of posting uh, illegal products on your social media pages. So let's let's not do that. Dan Cook spent a weekend, kind of Aaron Rodgers style. Sort of. Yeah, that's what that's how I'm teasing it. Dan will correct that false statement from me when we come back here on CCO. Like many of the greats, Aaron Rodgers, Rudy Gobert, boy, Dan Cook. I, I you could stop making that comparison anytime you wanted. That would be just fine with me. This weekend, Dan said it's time to center myself. It's time to go into the silence. Sort of. What? What? Sort. Sort of. I didn't really do that uh, at all, actually. Um, <laughs> what no, did but, you do this week? So I did. I, I attended a silent retreat, and it's at a it's at a Bible camp about two hours north of the metro. Um, and it was really. I love the camp. We go there. My church goes there every year for a weekend vacation in October, and I just really love being on the grounds and being away from stuff and, and being up there. I really right. really enjoy it. So when I signed up for this, this was ma- basically just. Well, here's an excuse to go up to to Pines for, for a weekend, and, you know, I knew some of the people involved. What's it called? What's the camp The camp's called Covenant Pines Covenant Bible Covenant Pines, camp. that's it's right. In, uh, it's in McGregor, Minnesota. So here's an excuse to go up there for a right. weekend. because you've had very good experiences. Very there. good experiences. So I didn't, you know, and I didn't know about the silent part of it, right, how that was going to work or whatever. I was curious about that. And but when, I, when they had a sign-up, they were like, it's a, it was it was described as a silent as a silent retreat and but the description was vague you know as as you know church yeah. folks are wont to do at times <laughs> you know, they get a little 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 uh well, yeah, a just... little flowery with the language and doesn't really say anything and that's you know so there was a little bit of that so i didn't really know what to expect how strict it was going to be what else was going to be going on there was going to be some sort of guided element to it you know i i knew that going in but i didn't really understand how that was all going to work basically what happened is you go up friday uh you start Friday evening at dinner, there was uh, nine of us total, along with like two staff members that were kind of helping guide the thing. And so the nine of us would had dinner in their they have a, a special you know, dining hall area. So you go and have dinner there, and at that point you're still able to talk. So you're just chatting and getting to know people because I didn't know anybody else that was that was there, other than like I said the staff members that I did. Right. Uh, so you're just chatting and getting to know people a little bit, whatever. And then it's that was at five thirty seven o'clock. You had a there was a service in one of the chapels on on the campus, um, and it was at that point that they sort of laid out here's how it's going to work. And once that service was done, you were in, starting in silence at that point. Hmm. And that silence was to last until breakfast uh, Sunday morning or after breakfast Sunday morning. There was another service. So from from Friday, Friday night to Sunday morning, you were supposed to be in silence. Now I say that. In in dispersed, you know, uh, uh, Friday night into Saturday, and then even into Sunday, at all these services, there were prayers and there was music, and so there wasn't it wasn't, wasn't strict, total absolute silence for that entire but time. How much time awake time do you think you really had with your thoughts? 
Oh boy, I don't even know how to, how to estimate that. Um, it was here's the thing to me that was that was I, I jokingly referred to it Sunday morning as introvert nirvana <laughs> because it was in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've learned over the last few years is the importance and the power of actual human presence. Yeah. Being in the same room with someone right. is different than talking to them on the phone, is different than talking to them over the Internet. It's a completely different experience. And what this really drove home for me is that when you talk about introversion, you're talking about the energy that you have to expend to be social. But you're not expending that energy at this retreat, right? I'm feeling the power and the presence of these people. We're all in this thing together. We're all you know, smiling and nodding to each other and acknowledging each other. We're just not talking. Right. But you still feel you, you feel, feel that impact of their presence. You're just not obligated to chat them up. Interesting. And that so, was a really interesting vibe throughout the course mm. of the day as you went out for walks, as you went to different services, as you sat in this lounge area in front of this enormous fireplace and just read and, you know, either whether it was scripture or whether it was another book, yeah. whatever it is that you wanted to do. There were there's very loose rules in terms of you can do whatever you want. They offered opportunities for prayer and for services and stuff like that. You weren't obligated to go to any of them. You could just sit and sleep the whole time if you but wanted. But you got the benefit of feeling community without the cost, right. the expenditure of, yeah. of giving energy out. And then it's all the other things that you, you know, in the midst of doing that, it's all the other things that you get to notice about people and about mm-hmm. you know, nature because this is off in the middle of the woods, right? All, I mean, have you ever heard ice sing? I've never heard ice sing before. No. But as, it, as the water as is freezing shifts. and as it cracks and shifts— it makes this sound, Jason. When I first heard it, I thought it was like whale song. I'm like, hmm. I'm standing by a lake in northern Minnesota. This is not whale song. Yeah. But that's what it sounded like. Cool. And it was, at first, freaky because you didn't know what it was. Right. And then once you realized what was going on, it was gorgeous. And, of course, like I said, you're up north, so you're away from light pollution, so the sky is just incredible. Uh, it was warm enough where you could get outside and go walk around, and there wasn't a ton of snow or anything like that. It was chilly, but, I mean, it was, yeah. it was fine. So all of these things that you can notice because you're not having to worry about talking to anybody. It, it was hugely, hugely impactful. I came back super energized from that trip. And usually when I go up there and it's part of our church situation, especially with being on staff, you know, I'm doing a lot of interacting. And that's right. great. And I enjoy it. Yeah. But I come back and I'm wiped out. You're tired. Sure. This time I came back and it's like I just wanted to talk to everybody about it because it was such an amazing experience for me. So cool. It was very, very cool. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and there's plenty of opportunities to do this in faith-based context and in non-faith-based yeah. context. I, I just I can't recommend enough being able to get away from stuff and have that experience of being with people without necessarily there being this obligation to interact. Right. It was, it was an amazing experience. And it's really cool. I can't wait to do it again next year. Very good. Yeah. Silence is not one of my core competencies. Well, it, and, <laughs> and I tell you what, there was there was somebody, there was one of the the gals that was a part of this group, yeah. uh, who you could just tell want was dying to chat with people, and yet you know she was yeah. able to kind of just figure hang with out. the rest of it and figure it out. You know, it's cool, cool. Thanks for sharing that yeah, with us, Dan. It is four thirty two. We'll take a break. We are going to come back. And just a headline that was a little astonishing to me this morning about Gen Z. Looking for career advice and to what this old man uh, found to be a very bizarre place. We'll talk about TikTok for career advice next on CCO. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, I'm an old guy. I learned how to function at work by going to work. I went to work. I saw how other people acted. I thought, oh, I guess this is how I act. I came here to Minnesota. I had a boss by the name of John Denzer who gave me a review when I started, and he told me I was too sarcastic at work. Other people were looking to me, and I was being a jerk. And I said, huh, I think you're right. And I changed the way I acted. That is how I learned how to be at work. This is not how Gen Z is learning how to be at work. You will not be astonished to learn that they're turning to TikTok for career advice. But you might be surprised, like, just how deep the information is. To get some insight on this, uh, we bring in Karen McCoy, who's the VP for Career and Corporate Relations at the University of St. Thomas, right in the thick of helping those Gen Zers figure out what they're going to do with their lives after graduation or in some cases while they're going to school. Karen, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me. This story is so interesting. 46% of Gen Zers uh, said TikTok influenced their choice of profession. 48% said it benefited their career. Uh, Is TikTok a smart place for young people to turn for business advice? Well, surprisingly, yes. Uh, Social (laughs) media, really. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't think. TikTok has come a long way from what we think of as a platform for dance videos. And social media in general is a great resource for career advice. You know, we often think of LinkedIn, but uh, according to research. Boring. Nobody wants to read some ding dong, write a 47 paragraph post about the awesome thing they did at work or their, you know, (laughs) and I'm guilty as the next guy. I got to be honest. I've done my share of those posts. Precisely, precisely. So go where the information is interesting and go where you can find sources that are relevant for you and relatable to you. Karen McCoy is with the University of St. Thomas, and she's about to drop the butt on a new survey. (laughs) 2,000 Gen Zers and Gen Zers, we're talking about 18 to 26 year old. Uh, 70% using TikTok to get advice on their careers. So that's what I think is sort of interesting, right? And why don't you go ahead with the but on the potential downside of, of TikTok for career advice? Yeah, and I think the survey touched on this as well, that, that what's most important is that students are checking the re- reliability of the information, right? According right. to that survey, only right. 42% are fact-checking what they're learning through TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're, we're all, all generations are guilty of this, right? This is not just a Gen Z thing where we see stuff on social media and 
someone who appears to be an expert is sharing it and you think like, ah, that that's that's real. And sometimes it's bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it comes back to doing the basics, you know, do some fact checking, go to what is now a little bit old school in terms of Googling it. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, Karen, what I people. what I find interesting is some of the stuff that young people are learning on TikTok. Uh, you sort of have two categories the way I look at it. First of all, it, it's the category of deciding what you want to do with your life. And I do think that is sort of amazing that young people who are in college at St. Thomas right now can go to TikTok Mm -hmm. and you sort of get an idea as to what it might look like if you're working at an ad agency or what it might look like if you're working for, you name it, you can end up in that corner of TikTok. And that stuff that as a young person, you or I never really had access to that uh, unless we got to you know, take a mentoring field trip or an internship or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Exactly. They can see a day in the life anytime they want just by going on TikTok. And and I think that's a key point is that the sources that uh, Gen Zers are using should be dependent on what it is they're trying to do. Yeah. Are they trying yeah. to make context? Are they trying to learn about what it's like to, to be in journalism? Um, and so they just need to use the right resource for what they're trying to do. It's so interesting. Karen McCoy is the VP of Career and Corporate Relations at University of St. Thomas. I want to run a couple of these because the other side of this is sort of the strategic uh uh, lessons of what to do in the workplace, right? So like mm-hmm. how to say what you really feel without getting fired, how to achieve work-life balance, <laughs> how to respond right. to questions and job interviews. Now, all of this sounds very fraught to me. Like in yes. your first job, maybe you should not say what you really feel. Okay. Just suck <laughs> it up, take it home like the rest of us did and go back to the job the next day. That is a Gen X attitude or what is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Dan, you pulled a, you pulled a, no, we don't. Uh, uh, some of these strategies, corporate flirting. Have you heard of this? That's a first for me. Um, yeah. Corporate flirting. I, I mean, is that just another term for doing your research? Correct. Yes. Maybe. It's, it's <laughs> corporate flirting is a bit of a networking <laughs> hack that some TikToker yep. posted. And, and I mm-hmm. do think the way that you kind of go on a first date or a second date is not necessarily all that different and how you might want to interact with a supervisor or coworkers and try to figure, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, don't go in for the kiss, but otherwise I think it's, it's a similar deal. Uh, I didn't I didn't know this one. And this is uh, a business insider dot com article today. But they talked about advising Gen Zers to be Delulu. Have you heard this term Delulu? That is one I've heard of just recently. This is a very new thing to me. And and it, it has to do with encouraging people to be delusional, as I understand. That's it. right. Yes. But but there is look. I was a little delusional when I was starting out in my career when I was making $9 an hour as a TV reporter in Davenport, Iowa, that, uh, you know, things were going to get better and I was going to move up. And I think some of that, like, you know, belief in yourself that may be delusional when you're age 21 or 22 
there's there's something to that, you know? There is. There is something to the, you know, it's it's the fake it till you make it right. kind of thinking. Right. Um, but it also requires a level of self-awareness um, to understand what skills you have and what you're good at and to know that what works for someone else may not work mm. for you. Yeah. Karen McCoy is the VP of Career and Corporate Relations at University of St. Thomas. Karen, I get, you know, just hearing you say the benefit of young people uh, using TikTok for this kind of career advice, I think it's useful for parents out there who might, you know, as you watch your kids scrolling and you you listen to them talking about whatever they, they learned on TikTok, and hopefully you're having those conversations, right? But I do I do hear uh, some optimism from you that young people are at least able to have kind of a dialogue about this stuff that that we didn't necessarily even think about when we were starting out. Well, that's just it. They have access to information far beyond what you and I had access to. And so I'm excited for them to be able to learn about potential career paths in a really exciting way and get tips on how to advance. And I hope that they don't lose sight of the old fashioned benefit of talking to people. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, uh, that is really where you get the, uh, ultimately you have to take this advice out of the, out of the phone and out of the scrolling and into the real world. And so that is key. Right. Karen, there's a place to start. There's a lot to be optimistic about, I think, uh, for this younger generation as they uh, chart their own path out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's um, you know, we don't even know the jobs that are going to be available to them (laughs) necessarily. Yeah. Um, But there is a lot of opportunity and a lot of people willing to help. I got a college freshman who's a computer science major, and you think, like, mm-hmm. what on earth in five years, you know, who knows? Who knows? Exactly. It's pretty exactly. cool. Exactly. We can't even predict the companies. Right, right. Exactly. Karen, thank mm-hmm. you. Really good stuff. Appreciate the conversation. Karen McCoy, Vice President of Career and Corporate Relations at University of St. Thomas. 448, we'll take a break and be right back here on Drive Time with Derusha. Well, it happened. On Friday, George Santos, we hardly knew you. We will miss him so much as he was kicked out of the U.S. House and celebrated on Saturday Night Live. The sun should be visible. That's Paul Douglas. That it was so good, Dan. The the intro was so good. We can fix this in editing. We'll just yeah, we'll edit this part out. Just go do do that again. Give me the lead in and celebrated on Saturday Night Live. Congress stuff is tough. It's the toughest job I ever had. And I was a neurosurgeon at NYU. Plus, I have the job of dad. I'm sorry, did you just pull a fake baby out of a piano? Magic. Okay, so I lied. (laughs) You know, comedians will miss George Santos. No doubt about it. I mean, are we sure he's done giving us material? Well, in the New York Times story, what's next for George Santos? First, 23 felony charges ranging from identity theft to wire fraud. He could, if convicted, uh, spend 22 years in federal prison. It's probably not going to happen, right? I mean, come on. 
Uh, he could end up on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> His former communications director, who resigned in May, described him as someone who is more interested in being a celebrity than a lawmaker. He did tell reporters on Thursday, if I find the chutzpah to go on television and embarrass myself with my four left feet, maybe Dancing with the Stars. Tom DeLay was in Dancing with the Stars. Rick Perry, the former governor of Texas, who I don't think could name. Didn't he struggle naming like three? He said he wanted to eliminate three, three departments, yeah, cabinet level yeah. departments, and then he couldn't name them. Couldn't name all of them. <laughs> Sean Spicer that? was on the show. Which uh, which reality show did Rudy do? Was that Mass? Mass Singer. Singer. Okay. Sarah Palin was on Mass. Why not? Sure. Why not? Oh, I mean, it's hard to do that from jail. But... How come we don't? When, when do we get the fun, the fun zany Congress person? Right? Ours are boring. Boring. Well, we did have Al Franken. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 